welcome to episode three of the Atlanta Man podcast. I am your host, Ryan Rogers, and on today's episode, we will be discussing the Atlanta Hawks as they take on the New York Knicks in game one of the Eastern Conference playoffs, and we will also be discussing the Atlanta Braves and how their week of baseball went. But we are going to start with the Hawks as they are in the playoffs for the first time since 2017. They are playing in New York City at Madison Square Garden. And the Hawks get the victory in this one in an absolute thriller of a game. They win 107-105. Big time performance from Trey Young. And I'm about to break it down for y'all. And we'll start off at tip-off. And the Hawks is starting five. Is Trey Young at point guard, obviously. Bogdan at the two. DeAndre Hunter at the three, John Collins playing power forward, and Clint Capella at center, the big man. And this game starts off super sluggish because both of these teams have a bunch of young players, and this is a lot, a lot of players in this game's first ever playoff outing. And both of the team's biggest players, honestly, first playoff outing. As Trey Young's first his first playoff game, first playoff game for Bogdan, first playoff game for John Collins, first playoff game for Hunter, and on the Knicks side, Julius Randle, who's been their best player all year, he is in his first playoff game. R.J. Barrett in his first playoff game, Emmanuel Quickly, yada, yada, yada. Bunch of youth on both sides in this one, and you could tell early because the nerves were getting to him. A very slow start to the game offensively. But the Hawks do get it going first as they do. They start hitting some shots as the Knicks continue to sputter really until their veterans checked in. And it was Derrick Rose who was the difference maker in the first half for the Knicks. He was their best player as he was hitting some really nice layups, some nice wraparound layups for him, getting to the paint with ease. He was a real thorn in the side of the Hawks, especially in the first half. He had a big first half and a good second half, too. But he really settled the Knicks in in the first quarter. But even after one, the Hawks lead 24-16. to The Knicks still struggle overall as they just shoot 7 of 26 from the field. It's only 27% shooting and only 1 of 8 from 3. So not great shooting from the Knicks to start off the game. But the Hawks do have some good shooting. They go 11 for 23 from the field and 2 of 7 from 3, which isn't fantastic, but it's still solid. And we head to the second quarter. Trey Young sits for quite a while to start the second, which is kind of head-scratching considering this is the playoffs. As he, he sat for the first 6-plus minutes of the second quarter and considering the Hawks have been off for a whole week and have two off days after this game it is kind of interesting to see how McMillan is handling Trey in particular's minutes in this one some weird some weird lineup stuff from the Knicks too is how they were managing minutes and Thibodeau side but we'll focus on what the Hawks did so Trey doesn't check in the second quarter until there was six six plus minutes as half passed Tony Snell had a couple of big plays before Trey checked in. He had a three and then immediately went and grabbed a steal on defense. So a nice little sequence for Tony there. But yeah, after after Trey checks in, out of the timeout, Trey hits a nice, nice pass on an alley-oop to John Collins. And the Hawks do end up leading at the half. 
As that was a couple of the highlights from the second. They only lead 52 to 50 at the half. They do drop the second quarter score-wise as the Knicks do outscore the Hawks by six in the second. But Trey has 11 at the half, six assists, and Trey Young, or Derrick Rose rather, had the big half off the bench for the Knicks, and the Hawks lead 52 to 50 at the break. So third quarter gets started. Knicks going to like a little run to start the third. They end up taking the lead, but Trey Young gets four straight points after the Knicks take the lead, and that gets a timeout out of Tom Thibodeau. The Knicks do end up tying the game back at 63, which prompts a Nick McMillan timeout. And the Knicks late in the third going to 10-0 run, but it's not all that bad because Sweet Lou bails them out as he has five straight points to end the quarter, which really just lessens that 10-0 run. The Hawks still trail 73-71 to after three, but Lou Williams with some big buckets down the stretch in the third quarter to keep things real close heading into the fourth. And this is where things get real tight as Sweet Luke stays in the game to start the fourth, and he continues to do Sweet Luke things. And the Hawks still are doing funny things with Trey Young in his minutes. He doesn't enter the game until there's under seven minutes in the fourth. He would be in for the remainder, but still just a bit long, in my opinion, of keeping him out of the game. Start the second quarter and the fourth quarter, honestly. Just some some weird time, some weird minute management for McMillan, but at the end of the day, it doesn't end up matter because the Hawks do win. But yeah. Trey Young wasn't getting to the line a ton in this game, but he finally gets to the line in the fourth. Gets there a good bit, might I add. I think he had all nine of his free throw attempts in the fourth quarter, if I'm not mistaken. He made all nine of them. But, yeah, so Trey finally getting to the line in the fourth, which was a big development because the Hawks only had three, um, three or four free throw attempts in the first three quarters as a team. And that's just not not going to work. you got to get to the line more than that, especially when you have a guy like Trey Young who is such a good free throw shooter and is so good at drawing fouls. So Trey does get to the line a good bit. He has a lot of big shots in the fourth. Bogdan Bogdanovich has a lot of big shots. He has nine points in the fourth quarter, all three of them on three-pointers, so big three-point shots for Bogdan. He got it going in the fourth after having a slowish three-quarters, especially first three quarters, especially from three-point land. So good to see Bogdan going off in the fourth for the Hawks. But on the other side, the Knicks, their first half hero off the bench was Derrick Rose. But in the second half, the hero was Alec Burks, as he was an absolute menace in the, in the second half, especially the fourth quarter, as he just was going off, not missing much. I think he only missed one shot in the fourth quarter. So he had a fantastic game overall. He had 27 points, which was his playoff career high. And just a huge fourth quarter and second half from Alec Burks. He goes nine of thirteen from the field, two of two on his three, so he missed or he made both of his three point attempts. But we're gonna get down to crunch time in this game. The game really goes back and forth, back and forth after Trey Young enters with just under seven minutes left. And big, big shot by Bogdan Bogdanovich. As is a near turnover, Trey was driving in, had a pass back out in the corner for Bogdan, but he hits R.J. Barrett right in the back. So it almost throws it away, but it hits R.J. in the back, 
Bogdan grabs it, steps back, and hits a huge three. The probably the besides Trey's game winner, spoiler, um, the biggest shot of the game ties the game at one hundred three. And if the if Trey throws that ball away, and the Hawks are down by three with a minute left, and Nick's got the ball. Things are looking pretty bleak. It's not an impossible task to come back, but that would that would have been bad if Trey throws that ball away. But Bogdan bails him out. Huge, huge three on it, like just a massive three pointer. Probably the biggest shot of Bogdan's life so far. Probably gonna have some big ones coming up soon this week too. But yeah. Game is tied at 103. The Hawks get a stop, and Trey Young gets fouled going in for a shot. He gets two free throws. He makes them both, and the Hawks lead 105 to 103 with nine seconds left. But Derrick Rose, who has just been awesome all game, hits a floater. Oh, pardon. There was not nine seconds when when Rose had the ball. Nine seconds after he hits the floater. And it ties the game at 105. So the Hawks have the ball, call a timeout. They got the ball with nine seconds left. And Trey Young drives in and hits a huge running layup with nine tenths of a second left. Hawks lead 107 to 105. The Knicks still have a chance to tie or even win the game on a shot, but they inbounded Julius Randle. He doesn't even get the shot off. Even if he did, he airballs it, and the Hawks win game one, 107 to 105. Huge, huge, huge win here in game one, especially on the road where the Hawks have struggled on the road and they've struggled against the Knicks all year. So just a huge win to get the first one here in game one. Some stats for you. Trey Young goes for 32 points, 10 assists, and 7 rebounds. Really solid game for Trey. 7 of 15 from the field. Only hits 1-3, but goes 9 for 9 at the free throw line. Bogdan has 18 points. He goes 9 of 4 from 3-point land. All three of his four threes in the fourth quarter. Just some really clutch shots from Bogdan, who got it going late. Lou Williams with some heroics in the late third and early fourth quarters. He goes for 13 points on six for nine, shooting nice. One for one from three-point land. So sweet Lou with hitting some big buckets in the third and fourth quarter. And for the Knicks, their best player was Alec Burks. 27 points on nine of 13, shooting two for two from three. He was on fire in the second half, especially the fourth quarter, and he just didn't seem to miss. Derrick Rose goes for 17 points, five rebounds, and five assists on eight of 16 shooting. He had big shots down the stretch, a lot of big shots in the first half for D. Rose. And one man you haven't heard his name a lot, been the MVP for the Knicks all year, Julius Randle. Struggles mightily, still gets 15 and 12, which is solid. But Julius Randle is averaging 37 against the Hawks this year and only gets 15 in the playoffs in game one. Six of 23 shooting for Julius. Just not not what you'd expect from Julius Randle, especially with how he performed against the Hawks earlier this year. Like I said, he was averaging around 37 for the Knicks, pretty much averaging a triple-double against the Hawks. I mean, was the was a huge part of why the Knicks swept the Hawks in the regular season. But I don't want to say that he was a non-factor in, in this game. He had some some decently big shots, but it was really all Alec Burks and Derrick Rose for the Knicks. They were really carrying the offense. Alec Burks, he was unbelievable in the fourth quarter. I mean, everything. He was sitting in the corner. His pump fakes were 
making I think I think you got DeAndre Hunter twice on a pump fake, make DeAndre jump into the crowd on some nice pump fakes, and he hit some really big shots. He was being really annoying, if we're being honest. I mean, getting cooked by Alec Burks is just not a good feeling. He's a good player, but come on, bro. Alec Burks, it doesn't feel good. If Randall was doing it, I'd be like, okay, that's all right. But Alec Burks, I mean, he's good, but, I mean, God, man. Just absolutely torched the Hawks. And if the Knicks were to win this game, it would, like Alec Burks would be a, a, a folk hero in New York City because he was great in this game. And Julius Rand, or not, uh, Derek Rose, actually, you know, six-man of the year contender. He comes in off the bench with, I think, just four minutes into the game. So Thibodeau got him in there early, and for good reason. He was very good in this game. 17 points, five rebounds, five assists for D. Rose. But it wasn't enough as the Hawks take game one, 107 to 105. Again, a huge game for Trey Young. Huge coming out party in his first ever playoff game. And Bogdan, big shots down the stretch. Struggled a little bit early, but again, big, big shots down the stretch for Bogey. Nine points in the fourth quarter. And a huge shot with one minute left. Still can't get over that play. Trey threw that ball for his back. I was hands were on the head, and I was ready for ready for the pain to really set in but Bogdan grabbed it and he put it up and he nailed it and that was an awesome play and Trey's runner at the end to win it was great as well and just a great great way to start off the playoffs under the new the new regime in Atlanta with Trey Young and John and all the new guys like last time the Hawks in the playoffs was Paul Millsap at the at the head, which I love Paul Millsap, but he's not Trey Young. This is this is a different kind of excitement for this team. So just a great way to start the playoffs again. And one more time, 107-105 Hawks win lead series one to nothing. They will be back at it on Wednesday night in the garden again for game two. Now that we've covered game one for the Hawks, we are gonna hop in to some Atlanta Braves talk. They had a busy, busy, busy week. Played seven games this week from Monday to Sunday. No off days. And boy, Monday was a doozy on and off the field because the Braves had a lot of transactions and a lot of just uh, incompetence on the field and in the dugout by the manager, Brian Snicker. But we will start off with the news from Monday, and the biggest news of them all was Huascar Inoa, who started the game on Sunday in Milwaukee last week. No one knew at the time, but after he got pulled from the game, he punched the dugout bench and fractured his hand. Now, he didn't know he fractured immediately after the flight home, he said that there was some discomfort, so they got him an x-ray when they got back to Atlanta. And, yeah, he fractured his hand while punching the bench the bench in Milwaukee. S- sorry for the voice crack, by the way. I know y'all heard that, so don't laugh at me. But, yeah, he's going to be out for around two months. Not good. He's been probably the Braves' best pitcher this year. I know he had a rough outing in Milwaukee in his last start. But, yeah, just really tough, tough news all around, especially – him doing something that's just really avoidable, honestly. Just punching the bench as hard as he can. I know he's frustrated. You know, anger got the best of him. But, man, that that sucks. That sucks. Especially for a guy that's just having, like, such a special season, a young dude. But it's only two months. It's not like a season end or anything. So he'll be back 
and around late July, probably early August, probably get him ramped back up. So he'll he'll be back for the stretch run, and hopefully he'll be just as effective as he was early on in the year. And that's not it for all the news on Monday, as it was announced that Mike Soroka had his exploratory, exploratory surgery, and there is still no timetable for his return. So they got they got in there and dug around his Achilles and had a look. Still no no new news about it, as yeah, still no idea when Soroka is going to be back and. Yeah, just not, 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 can't even really expect much from Soroka this year now after all the setbacks he's had. But yeah, that's enough about Soroka. And now for some roster moves, they've DFA Jesse Biddle and they call up Tucker Davidson, who makes this, who will make the start in game two of this series against the, the Mets. And just to add on to this, like the weirdness of the news day. This is really like not even a big deal, but they like it was after they announced that Enoa fractured his hand and Shroka had his surgery and Biddle gets DFA. Just the cherry on top, Ender goes on paternity leave. He has a kid and they call Camargo up. I don't know. I just thought it was kind of funny. Just just the different variety of headlines coming out of the Braves front office on Monday afternoon before the game. And there's still a game to be played on Monday, and the game wasn't much better than the news as the Braves do lose three to one. Max Freed got the pill in this one. He had six good innings, um, but Brian Snicker questionably leaves him out for the seventh after he struggled to get out of the sixth inning. Uh, there was no action through six. It was a zero to zero game, but yeah, he leaves Freed out for the seventh and he Leaves after giving up a leadoff double with left hand cramping. It's all precautionary. He he was fine. He pitched today. But, yeah, he left him in for the seventh, and he gives up leadoff double and leaves. So, yeah, runner on second, nobody out. And who do they bring in in a 0-0 zero to zero game? After not using any of the relief arms on Sunday after the Braves came in a huge comeback, they used Jacob Webb in the seventh inning of a 0-0 zero zero ball game. See how this goes. Here's the sequence of events after Webb <laughs> enters the game for Freed. Immediately gives up a double to James McCann, run scores one to nothing. Then a sack bunt from Fargus. He walks Lindor. He K's up Pete Alonzo, so there's two outs after the sack bunt and the strikeout. Intentionally walks Dominic Smith. And then the next at bat gets scary because he then hits Kevin Pillar right in the face. Which, with, with the bases loaded, hits Pillar right in the face. So an RBI hit off the face for Pillar. Really scary, as it looked like it might have hit his helmet because the ball bounced so far, but it was just right off of his nose, all face, a 94-mile-an-hour fastball for Webb. Yeah, just not good all around. Um, Pilara is fine now, but he, he got, he got messed up, broken nose, two big black eyes. So yeah, just not good for Pilar. Wish him the best in his recovery. He's doing well, but Webb exits and Sean Newcomb now enters the game in a two to nothing affair. He gets Pilar to ground out and gets out of the inning. So yeah, just some more questionable bullpen stuff from Snicker, you know, I don't know why you go to Webb in the seventh in a tie game with a runner on second. I just wouldn't do that. I would have gone with Chris Martin probably because he is back and he didn't pitch the day before, you know. 
but they go with Webb and it doesn't work out. So the Braves are down two to nothing after that. Riley Homer's in the bottom of the eighth. That's, that's all they will get. They do lose three to one. The Mets got three in that inning. Beg beg your pardon. They got three in the inning, not two. Braves lose three to one. Freed pitches well, but um yeah. They go Jacob Webb to Sean Newcomb to Edgar Santana in a game where Max Freed only gives up one run, which is not only a diamond of Brian Snicker, the offense didn't show up either in this game. Another Riley Homer, that's great, but yeah, not not what you want from the offense or the managing. But yeah, Freed's final line, six innings pitched, five hits, just one earned run, only two walks and eight punchies for young Max Freed. And Snit was confronted about this post-game, about his just questionable usage. Is he was asked if Tyler Matzik and AJ Minter were both okay by I don't know who the exact reporter was, but he kind of confirms what a lot of people's suspicions, including including my own suspicions, of what's how Snit operates. He was asked, and I quote, so Matzik and Minter are both okay, end quote, and then Snit answers it by saying, They're fine, yeah. We start pitching them in games we're behind, they won't be. So, yeah, the game wasn't, they weren't behind when Max Freed left, by the way, it was 0-0. Zero to zero. So, I, yeah, I don't, I don't get it, you know. Being down one, two runs is still high leverage late in games. So, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. He does end up using some of his relievers while they're down late in the, the upcoming games. But, yeah, just very weird stuff, especially how he handled Sunday's game before when the Braves had a huge comeback, but it's really just beating a dead horse at this point with Snicker. I mean, it's been the same thing for years now. You really wish you could see some kind of change, but, you know, it is what it is. We'll head to game two. And like I said, Tucker Davidson got, got called up and gets his second career start. He got roughed up last year in some meaningless game against the Red Sox. Braves already clinched and let him get a start, but he, he got roughed up against the Red Sox. But he has a good outing. He looks sharp early. He gives up a two-out hit to the pitcher and then a two-run homer to Villar. So a really tough sequence of getting giving up a two-out hit to the pitcher. And that the Braves go down two to nothing early. And the Braves are hitless in this game until Austin Riley homers again in the fifth. So another home run for Austin Riley makes it two to one. Ozuna ties the game late to make it three to three, but Tomas, Tomas Thomas. Tomas Nito, however you say it, hits a solo shot in the ninth off of Will Smith, and the Braves drop the game 4-3. to three. Like I said, Tucker Davidson pitched pretty well. Six innings pitched, five hits, just three, in, three earned runs, just one walk and five punchies for young Tuck. He gets sent back down after this game, but a solid outing, pretty encouraging. You know, can be comfortable with him making a spot start here and there after he has a solid one against the Mets. Now we head to game three as the Braves will look to avoid getting swept and they will bring some salt to the mound. Charlie Morton will get the start and he pitches well, but Jonathan Villar strikes again. Another home run makes it one to nothing, but Guillermo Heredia hits a double in the second to tie the game. And then Charlie Malton helps himself with an RBI single, makes it two to one. Heredia did, then comes around to score on a wild pitch on a Ronald Acuna walk. It's three to one. 
but the Mets retake the lead in the seventh on hits from Peraza and Nito again, makes it four to three. Then Bill Contreras ties the game at four in the bottom of the eighth. Braves hold in the top of the ninth, and the game is set up for Ronald Acuna, who is leading off the inning in a 4-4 to game. What is he going to do? First pitch, slider, center cut. It is out of here into the Braves' bullpen. First career walk-off for Ronald Acuna, and the Braves win 5-4. to Charlie Morton goes six innings pitch, just two hits, one earned run, and eight punches for Chuck. Now we head to a whole new series against the lowly Pittsburgh Pirates. It is a four-game set, and Drew Smiley gets the pill in game one. But the Braves go down 2 to nothing early on a homer, but Bill Contreras hits a three-run dong to put him up 3-2. to two. But it wouldn't hold up, unfortunately, because Brian Reynolds ties the game on a homer. Then Dansby puts this back up. Are the Braves going to win? No, they're not. Bullpen gives up three runs. Braves lose in extras. Another rough performance from the bullpen, but a solid performance from Smiley overall. He goes six innings pitch, six hits, three earned runs, one walk, six punches. He does give up two homers. Not great. Braves lose 6-4, to four, game one, as they will look for some retribution on Friday night, and that's exactly what they get as they win 20-1, to one, most runs scored in the league this year, as they hit seven homers and two grand slams en route to a 19-run win. They're the first team in MLB history to hit seven homers and two of them be grand slams in one game. Um, Ian Anderson pitches really well again. The two grand slams are from Ronald and Ejere uh, Adrianza. Riley hits two homers. He just keeps on raking. And Kevin Smith makes his Braves debut after he got traded from the Rays earlier this week for cash considerations. He had an RBI hit too. So a solid, solid debut for Kevin Smith behind the plate. Now we'll head to game three as Ronald Acuna hits a leadoff homer. Another one for him. It's his 15th of the year, which put him back in front of the MLB lead in front of Shohei Otani. Ozzy homers twice in this one. Bryce Wilson pitches really well. The Braves win 6-1. to one. Another solid overall performance by the team. Bryce Wilson goes 6-2 and two thirds. Just five hits, one run, two walks, and four punches for young Bryce Wilson. And we will head to game four as the Braves look to take the series 3-4 to four after dropping the first game. And that's exactly what they do. They win 7-1. to one. Max Freed was on the bump again. And he shoves again. And then young, thick Austin Riley has another two-homer game. He has just been going crazy, crazy lately. Been one of the best hitters in baseball for about a month now. And also, Dansby homers in this one. Braves win 7-1. to one. Max goes seven innings pitch, four hits, one run, three walks. Only two Ks, but he had a lot of ground balls in this game, which is a good sign for Max, who has always been a solid ground ball pitcher. He looks super sharp. And I think it's going to be the second week in a row that I'm going to close the podcast on just talking about Austin Riley and how awesome he's been. So here's some Austin Riley numbers for you to wrap your head around. He has six homers in his past seven games, which is pretty crazy. I mean, he has the two, two, two homer games on the weekend. He's, I saw today he was the first uh, Braves player or Braves third baseman since Chipper Jones to have a, uh, 
I think it was the two two homer games with five RBIs. I think that's what it was. Could be wrong, but the stat was something like that. If you're the first Braves third baseman to do anything, says Chipper Jones. It's pretty good because Chipper Jones was pretty good at baseball. So yeah, Austin Riley. One thing that I have always gone back on with Riley this year was his at bat against Aroldis Chapman when the Braves were in Yankee Stadium, where he draw where he drew a crazy walk like a eight nine pitch walk against Chapman. When he was looking really bad, I remember watching that at bat thinking, oh my God, Chapman's about to murder Austin Riley in three pitches. But no, he draws a nice walk. And since that A-B, here are his numbers. Seven home runs on a 364 batting average and a 1.100 OPS. And that's good for a 195 WRC+. Plus. And for those of you that don't know how WRC plus works, the league average is 100. So since that at bat against Aroldis Chapman, Austin Riley has been 95% better than the average MLB hitter, which is crazy. He's been crazy good since that. He's been the best hitter on the team since that sequence against Chapman. So just just craziness from Austin Riley. The way he flipped his season around after starting off so, so bad is impressive, honestly. He's been terrific over the last month and it's going to have his name in the running for NL player of the month. It'd be awesome if the Braves could get Austin to win the award. Cause that would make three months in a row going back to last year. Cause Freddie won it September of last year. Ronald won it in April. And if Austin rarely wins it in May, which he he's up there, he's got some competition. Jesse Winker has been going crazy for the Reds. So he might win it, but I think Riley's got a good shot. He's been playing awesome baseball lately so yeah he, he he was the star of the week for the Braves just homering left and right just getting big hits all the time drawing walks doing everything playing solid defense at third too so yeah just super encouraging stuff from Riley you know obviously Ronald Acuna has been great still the bats are starting to come around Dansby has hit him a lot better Ozzy's been hitting Freddie's been Freddie's been hitting we know that after his, his little slump one guy that's still not going great is Marcel, but he still he he had a homer on Friday night. Um, he he still had he had a hit today. Like he's hitting a little bit, but he still needs to get his numbers to where not exactly where they were last year, but still at his hit where he where he operates. Like Marcel is an 800 OPS guy above that too, 800 plus OPS, and that's where he needs to get. And I I believe he'll get there. He he's had a rough start, but I, I think he's gonna get to where his playing level is, and he's gonna be very productive for the Braves, and he's gonna join in on the hitting here very soon, I predict, and we'll see how that ages next week because that will be it for this episode. Next episode will be out next Monday. Maybe a little emergency potter in the week if something crazy happens in the Hawks games. You never know. But if nothing too insane happens, we'll hold it all in for next week's episode. If you made it this far, I thank you so much for listening. And make sure you tune in for the next one. Thank you, guys, and I'm out of here.